Hey guys, my name is Ray Peoples. I'm the pastor at New City Church in Kansas City, Kansas. And welcome to our podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to trust in and live like Jesus. And if you heard something that you really enjoyed today, feel free to share it on social media. And we're excited that you're here. Now, enjoy the podcast. Good morning. How is everybody today? So good to see you. And uh, man, my name is Ray, again, uh, pastor here. And uh, first thing I want to share with you as we kind of jump in this morning is, as Adam mentioned, just reaching our neighborhood, right? We have this theme. We even have the big, cool poster on the wall, right? That we are for the hill, the hill being this neighborhood that we are in right here. And it doesn't mean that we don't love you if you're not from this neighborhood, but we want to make an impact in the neighborhood that we've been placed in. And so yesterday, we had the opportunity to do our food pantry, and we do that once a month. And yesterday, man, we had over 130 cars, and we fed like 600 people. So, yeah, right? Something to celebrate there. Had an awesome turnout of volunteers, so thank you guys for the those of you that were there. And, man, we're going to do it again. We do it every month, so if you haven't been yet, would encourage you to. It's an awesome way for us just to bless these folks right here. We had some folks in the 9 o'clock service who had come to the food pantry, and they were here this morning. And so... Hey, awesome to hear that and to know that those things are happening, all right? Well, this morning, we are going to continue in our series we're calling Living Life Backwards. And we are walking through this uh, series, moving through the book of Ecclesiastes, which is not necessarily a book that a lot of people go, let's pick that one up, right? Uh, But today, we are walking through that and continuing to walk through that. Uh, But first, I kind of want to lay some groundwork for us of what we've talked about the past couple weeks, because it really plays into what we're going to be talking about today, okay? And so on week one, we kind of started with these what-ifs, right? And these what-ifs of some questions just to kind of ponder or roll around in our minds for just a moment. And so the first one was, what if God gave us the book of Ecclesiastes to help us to live our lives to the fullest? And also, what if God gave us the book of Ecclesiastes to wake us up to the realities of life? And then the final one, what if God gave us the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, excuse me, and ultimately to get our attention before it's too late? And what I mean by too late is that life is over, right? That time has expired and we are done here on this earth to kind of open us up to what God has for us, right? And so we also ask the question, how would you live your life differently if you knew you're in date? Like, how would that change the course of your life if you knew when you were actually going to step off of this earth? And then we talked about some of the rhythms and the rhythms that Solomon has in the book of Ecclesiastes as he's writing this for us. One of those is that life is short. The second one is that life is elusive, right? It's not something we can control. And the third one is that life is repetitive, And we're really going to look at that one today, this idea of life having these rhythms and these repetitions that come naturally. And in that, how do we uh, understand that that's going to happen, number one? But number two, how do we fall into that, right? And so then last week in chapter two, we talked about how God's gift of life is something for us to enjoy. In fact, a lot of the things that we put all of our hope and trust in, he has given us or for enjoyment, or he wouldn't have given them to us, right? And so in that, hey, enjoy this gift that God has given you, the life that he has given you, enjoy it. But don't put all your faith, all your hope, and all your trust in the created things. Put them in 
the creator, right? And so today we're going to pick up in chapter 3, and this is kind of where we're going to begin this morning is right there in verse 1. And as we jump in here, Solomon is talking about seasons, right? Seasons of our life and the seasons that we perhaps go through. He's going to talk about time a little bit as well. Now, I find this really funny that we're talking about seasons this week after the week that we've had, right? On Tuesday, we had snow. On Tuesday afternoon, it looked like we hadn't had snow, but it was just a normal spring day, right? And I just wanted to kind of take a poll here for a moment, all right? So who are my spring folks? Like, spring is your, your season, yeah? Okay, we've got some hands in the room, right? Folks online, I want you to put it in the chat, okay? Keep, keep Danny busy back there, running, or Liz, keep her busy running the chat, okay? So spring, now who are my summer folks? Summer folks, yeah, love summer, okay, maybe go to the beach, it's warm, uh, all that fun stuff. Fall, that was a heavy majority last service, yeah, same thing, all right, fall is the time, like campfires, leaves, uh, you know, all that fun stuff, right? And then winter, we got any crazy folks in the room? Totally kidding, all right, yeah, we got one, we got the one guy, of course we do, yeah, all right, so winter is the month, right? But here's the thing, again, seasons have clear defined lines typically right like spring should be flowers not snow spring should be pollen and agitation for the sinuses not snow right like we have these lines for these seasons and what solomon's going to speak to a little bit today is look there are lines and seasons in your life defining moments if you will in your life that will create seasons maybe there's something big that has happened in your life that was a defining season in your life, right? This particular thing happened and then boom, that's the season that we're in. But there's typically a defining line in those seasons. But as we jump into chapter three this morning, again, we talked about this idea that life is repetitive. This is really what Solomon's gonna kind of be hammering home today, that there is a repetition to life, okay? So we're gonna start here in chapter three. And he gives us a great example as we begin. Here we go. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And then he's going to give us these examples. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. That was 2020. Uh, a time to seek. Oh, some of you got that. Okay. A time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Now, as we begin in these first eight verses, here's what I want you to understand. This is not the end of what we're going to be talking about today, okay? Like, there's a second part to what Solomon wants us to get, but for the sake of understanding, we're going to stop here for just a moment, okay? Because he's given us now these 14 rhythms, if you will, and in these rhythms, he doesn't tell us whether they're good or bad or whether they're righteous or sinful, right? He just gives us this list. But here's the cool thing that happens, is that in this, he gives us the bookmarks. He gives us the beginning, and he gives us the end, but then our minds naturally go to creating the in-between. So let me give you an example here. In, chapter, in verse 2, he says this. He says, a time to be born and a time to die. 
But you mentally go to a place that you go, you know what, but there's also a life that was lived in midst of those two bookmarks. Let's look at the next one, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. Yes, but your mind goes, well, there was something planted, it grew, it produced, right? And then it was pulled up, it was the end. And so it's incredible writing right here by Solomon to give us these, again, bookmarks to kind of develop, if you will, in between or the in-between for us to see and for us to understand. But also as he's talking about these seasons, what we need to understand is that with these seasons come a season of growth. Like there are times where you will grow through the seasons. A great example of this is like my boys, when they were three and four, looked really cute in the top seat of the cart. But now they're eight and 11. They look really like goofballs. And when they're 17, they look even weirder, right? Like you've seen those high schoolers in the store and they're in the cart. You're like, what are you doing, right? But that's what he's showing us is, look, there are rhythms and there are repetitions, but there's also growth that comes with these seasons. And so he lists us for or for us these 14 different kind of activities, if you will. And again, he doesn't tell us whether there's positives or negatives. He just gives us these 14 opposing things. But then we get to verse nine. And in verse nine, he kind of brings out that punchline again, if you will, that punchline that really kind of hurts as we've been reading through Ecclesiastes that kind of comes to the place that, man, I don't know that I want to spend much more time in this book and we're only in chapter three, but he says everything that you toil for, you gain nothing, right? He says, in fact, what gain has the worker from his toil? Now, here's the interesting thing is that I've heard and been to funerals of even non-believers where they read these first eight verses. Talking about time, talking about seasons, talking about the life that they lived and the things that they experienced, right? But verse 9 is really where the switch flips. Because now, these things or these things are going to point us towards God himself. That's what Solomon wants us to understand. But oftentimes this is read as funerals of like, yes, this is the life they lived. This is the season that they lived and this is how it went. But they then cut it off there and they don't move further into the conversation of what we're talking about here. Right. But he brings this punchline. What does a worker gain from his toil? It's kind of this absurdity of life. Right. Because, again, it happens one thing cancels out another in what he has just said above it. Alistair Begg, he puts it like this. He's a pastor. He says 14 positives plus 14 negatives equals zero. And so eventually every birth ends in death. Every planted crop gets pulled up. Every building is eventually torn down. Every celebration comes with a funeral and every peace gives way to another war. Like, these are the things that happen, but look, nothing is gained. Yes, there's a time for everything. Everything has a time, but what do we gain? And we go, man, that's super encouraging. Right? But what do we gain? And so in that, we may feel a little bit of frustration. Like, okay, why would God do that to me? But as we're going to see here in the next couple of verses, here's what happens. That frustration is meant for us to be driven towards God himself and who he is. That's why he puts 
this toil, if you will, in our hearts. Okay, so come with me. Let's take a look here in verse 10. It says, I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. And he has also made everything beautiful in its time. And also he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is a gift to man. This is God's gift to man. And I perceive that whatever God does endures forever and nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him, that which is already has been, and that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. Now, so here's what Solomon's doing for us. He is creating for us, first off, a comfort and a challenge, all right? A comfort and a challenge. So we're going to break down first this comfort that we find here. So we start in the second part with this super encouraging piece that basically because of Adam's rebellion, if you will, or Adam's uh, kind of disruption, right? There has now been this curse placed on man. You see, work used to be something that was not supposed to be or meant to be frustrating, but to be enjoyed. So here's the thing. Next week or this coming week, when you experience some frustration in your work, you can just scream out, thanks, Adam. Right? And people are going to be like, who's Adam? And you're going to be like, he's the problem. And that's really awkward when you have a coworker like I do named Adam. Right? But here's the piece that he wants us to get is, look, there is now, in fact, this burden that has come in our work. But why would God do that? Why would God do that to us? Like, why would we be in this place? Well, first, the brokenness, right, that happened when sin entered the world. But the second piece is this. Let's look at verse 11, because this really gives us clarity. And we're going to break it down into three phrases that are a part of this scripture. Okay, the first one is this, is that he, he being God, has made everything beautiful in its time. So if we look at that, okay, God made everything beautiful. He made it right. He made it good for the appropriate time. And ultimately, he put it there for us so that we would have these appointed times and appointments, like in our life, right? And he himself is in charge of those times and those appointments. But even greater than that, this is where the comfort comes in. Are you ready? When we are in a season that is great, we can walk through our life knowing that we are a part of the bigger picture than we can see. And when we're walking through hard times as well, or hard seasons in my life, I can also know that it is a part of a bigger picture that I cannot see. But look, this bigger picture is visible, in fact, to a good and a wise God who sees everything as beautiful. And he sees it in its time, the time it will happen. And so then there's this next piece. And also he put eternity into man's heart. You see, we have a curiosity for life after earth. Like whether you're a follower and believer of Jesus or not, there is always questions that we are asking about what happens after life after death. Like what will that look like? There's this stirring in our hearts. And what Solomon is saying is, yes, that's there because God has put it there. That's why you are driven towards this understanding or maybe even this, this hope, if you will, for eternity. But then finally he says this, yet so 
He cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And we're like, well, if we only knew. But look, God isn't being unkind in this. He is protecting you in this. Now think about that question for just a moment that we asked earlier. What if you knew your end date? How would that change the way that you live? You know why most of us don't know our end date? is because we couldn't handle it. We couldn't handle it. Now take that to a daily basis and uh, maybe the celebrations and the joys and the fun and those awesome moments that you have. Yes, I'd be all for that. But what about the sorrows and the burdens and the pains and the hurts that we feel and knowing that those things are coming? Man, we are not prepared. We are not made and we are not readied for those things. And so ultimately, man, why does God do this then for us? It's ultimately so that we will be driven and our faith will be driven towards him and who he is and following him, our faith in him. Yes, we want to know more. Yes, we want to know our purpose, right? Purpose-driven life, one of the best-selling Christian books of all time. Why? Because so many people are searching for their purpose. What is my purpose? And man, if I could only know my purpose. But again, we want to know more. We want to know our purpose. We want to know our destiny. But here's the piece is that we can only handle in truth our sliver, a sliver of the truth, a sliver of our life and what it's going to look like. Pastor Matt Chandler puts it like this. He says, we are often like the child in the why stage. Some of you are in the middle of experiencing this, perhaps, right? Like your child is in the why stage and they ask a question and you answer it and they go, why? And then you answer that and they go, why? And then you answer that and it's like, why, 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 right? And finally you get to this point and you're like, because I said so. That's why. But for us, look, we cannot understand the whys of God and what he has for us and for our life, the whys of his plan. But on top of that, look, here's what he says. He says, even though you won't know it all, even though you can't know it all, look, you can trust me because I do. I know it all. So find comfort in that. You won't see the full picture. In fact, Solomon, in all of his wisdom, doesn't see the full picture. But that's why he wrote Ecclesiastes, is to give you a picture of the picture that you can't see. At the end of his life, this is the picture that I have for you. You see? For you to get a glimpse of what perhaps you will run into. And we go back to verse 1 through 8. Guess what? You are going to experience all of these things at some point in your life. That's why this list is so eloquent in what he's putting before us. Find comfort in that, that I see the whole picture as the mighty God that I am. But then in verse 14 and 15, look, there's kind of some confirmation, if you will. The preacher or Solomon, he makes it crystal clear why and how we can trust God with these moments. Look what he says. He says, whatever God does endures forever. Oh, I want to be behind that. Right. But then he also says God seeks what has been driven away. So he's watching out for us. He cares for us and he is walking with us. This is where we find comforts in the midst of the hard seasons. And this is where we find joy in the midst of the, the easy, the good seasons. 
is knowing that he sees the fullness of the plan. But also we see the same thing we see multiple times in Scripture, this idea of God being a shepherd of your heart and of your life. He cares for you. He doesn't want you overplaying in the thickets, right? He wants you to be in the green grass. That's his heart for you as the pastor, excuse me, not the pastor, the shepherd of your life. That's his desire and what he wants for you. And in that, we find then comfort for that. But here's the other piece. Is that we need to understand we have a small vantage point in the large picture that is being painted that is our lives. We only get an opportunity to see a couple brush strokes. And oftentimes we look at those strokes and we go, man, that is where I am and that's where I'm stuck. No, look, there may be a bigger, grander picture that God has a plan for you and for your life. But we only get to see a snippet of it. But then also this, we need to understand that there's a divine purpose and a plan that was set in motion that will be worked out in the end. He is over all of that. He is a sovereign God that is reigning over each and every one of those things. And there will be and there is a time for it. For what? For whatever he has for you. That's what. So we start with this comfort, but now we move into a challenge. (laughs) Solomon puts a little bit of a challenge before us, right? And And he says, look, the challenge is this, is that you and I were made for his purpose, right? We are made for his purpose. So why is it then that we get frustrated when we turn away from him? It's because we're made to be towards him. And so he brings this dissatisfaction into our lives so that we'll become or draw closer to him. Our dissatisfaction moves us in his direction. But try all you may, you won't find comfort in the things of this world. And so look in in verse 12, here's what he says. And this is really what he said all in chapter two as well. Enjoy life. Look, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and do good as long as they Live Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So enjoyment of life is, in fact, a gift from God. But this only comes through what? Through Christ Jesus and who he is and what he has for us. We talked about this last week. Like by faith and trust in Jesus, look, we become pleasing and accepting to God. So, yes. Enjoy life, right? Like cuddle your kids, learn to fish, hit a golf ball, teach a class, eat your favorite food. Enjoy the things around you knowing that these are each a part of a loving plan that God has for your life. But you may have seasons where you're frustrated, right? You are frustrated in your toil and with your life and where you are. But again, it's all there for us to be drawn back to him. And that's what Solomon wants us to understand, is that all of this, good and bad, is by him, but also to point us towards him and who he is. God uses our tensions, our frustrations, and our burdens, but also our joys and our pleasures to drive us to him. 
And so Solomon wants to write, look, you can try all you want. You can chase it all you want, but you're not going to be able to pull a string or ring a bell and God give you exactly what you want. But he is walking through with you what you might need. Now, Romans 8, 28, we, we love this verse, right? In fact, we often love to misquote this verse. <laughs> but Romans 8, 28 says this, it says, and we know. That for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Yes, give me the good, right? I love the good. But if you continue reading in Romans 8, here's what happens. He says, yes, God works all things together for good. But this includes some hardships. Like you're going to encounter some hardships. And the hardships that he mentions are not necessarily hardships that I want to run out and go, hey, give me those hardships. Right? Because here's what he says. He says there will be famine, there will be peril, there will be nakedness and other pains. Like this is where you will find yourself. But look, understand and remember that God works all things together for good. And so we read verse 28, but then we rarely get to 29. But there's some comfort that is found in verse 29. Look, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? To be conformed to the image of his son. To be conformed to look like Jesus in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So Solomon and Paul both call us to trust God and to be confident that his plan he has for us is good. Even if we have bad things in the mix. If you imagine a big mixing bowl and you throw in some good and you throw in some bad and you stir that all together, that's the life that the Lord is presenting to you. It isn't going to be 100% perfect and it isn't going to be 100% grand, but why is he doing that? So that he can and you can be shaped and conformed to look more like his son. And man, that's sometimes hard to hear, isn't it? Especially when we're sitting in a hard season and we're going, Lord, you're using this? Yes, he's using that hard season to conform you to be more like Jesus, to be more like his son. But also remember this. Look, Solomon tells us, God tells us we are too close to the painting. Right? Like we don't get to see the full picture. In fact, we are often given, if you will, a small piece of glass that makes up the mosaic of our lives. Right? And some of those pieces of glass are nice and smooth and they're good and they're great. But some of those things are shards, right? And they're sharp and they hurt and we don't enjoy them. But guess what? When you put all of those things together, what does it do? It creates a beautiful image, a beautiful picture. And that's what happens in our lives. He brings together the good and he brings together the bad in those seasons and brings us to this place of fully understanding what he has for us. Right? We grow in that. We grow in those good and those bad moments. He fits every part, even the smallest of parts, into the whole. But also, he's a God that does what? He turns evil to good. Right? We see in the Old Testament this fellow by the name of Joseph. And Joseph has a pretty sorry life when you think about it. But then he gets to a place of power. And he even comes to this place that his brothers who sold him into slavery, he writes or he tells them this Look, you planned evil against me, but God planned it for good. 
right? This is the God that we serve. And then this is also the God that sent his son Jesus into a cursed world to experience the seasons right alongside us. Like when we read through this list, look, Jesus experienced these same things. There was a time for him to be born. There was a time for him to heal. There was a time for him to be built up. There was a time for him to party with sinners. There was a time for him to weep. But there was also a time for him to die. And he took on our sorrows and he took on our pain and our suffering, right? So that we then could be redeemed. And he went to the cross and he turned the evil of what is a cross to the beautiful thing that is salvation and salvation in our lives. And when we can remember that and we're walking through a hard season knowing that, yes, he is a good God. He is a God that loves us. And Romans 8 shows us, look, our lives fit into the same plan that we saw in Jesus's life. Where joy and pain come together, right? All of our seasons and all of our times and all of our life point us to find rest in him, Because he is the place and the one working out the ultimate plan for our lives. It's him. So again, you might be at the bottom of the barrel right now, right? Like you may feel like you're in a hard, hard place. Understand two things. First off, it's a season. And second, that he wants you to grow from it. And again, so hard to hear in the times where we are sitting there. But these are the pieces that he's giving us. These are the slivers that he's allowing us to see at this time. There may be something grand that you have no clue is there coming your way soon. But again, we continue to walk forward with him, right? And what he has for us. So as we kind of wrap up this morning and the band comes back up, here's what I want us to see, okay? First off is this. You may be in a season right now that you don't like, right? You may be in a season that you don't like, and and it may even be the end of that season. Like, you may be coming out of that season. You may be on the rise, if you will. Things are starting to look better. Uh, Understand this, again, you aren't stuck in it. Or you may be in a season where things are great, and things are good, and things are, uh, are going well, right? But here's what he asks us to do. What Solomon asks us to do is enjoy both. Because these are gifts that God has given you. Both the good and the bad. These are gifts he's given you for your life. And yes, he works all things together for good, but that doesn't mean it always feels good. Let me say that again. He works all things for good, but that doesn't mean it always feels good. Now, here's the other thing that we can kind of rest in this morning as we head into our week is, look, he has great plans. He is a God that loves us, and in that we can find comfort, right? But also see the challenge for everything. There is a season and a time for every matter. So as we go into these next few moments, here's what I want to do. I just want to pray over each of us, right? And so, Father, we just lift our hearts to you right now, Lord, and we may be in a heavy, heavy season. And, Lord, we never know how long those seasons last, and we never know how long those seasons will be. 
But Lord, may we find comfort and may we find rest in you and who you are. Lord, again, understanding and knowing that you are a good, good God. So many times and so often in our lives, things happen and we don't understand why. But Lord, in that, may we grasp the reality that you have a plan and a purpose for each and everything that does come our way. Everything that crosses our path, every person that crosses our path and every event and every season that happens in our lives, Lord, you are working through it. So again, we may be in a hard season right now. Lord, I pray that we can just lay that before you. Lay that before you with an understanding and a knowing that, Lord, you are a good, good God that works out all things for good, but we may be experiencing a hardship right now for that. And Lord, another thing that we see in the rhythms and the repetitions of what we see in Ecclesiastes and even in perhaps the, the life that we've lived is that we may be in a good season, but we know that a hard one might be coming. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'll prepare our faith, you'll prepare our hearts, and you'll ready us for that next thing. That next thing that might disrupt us from a true fellowship and a true deep love for you and who you are. And so, Lord, we just lay that before you. And that's going to be different for each and every one of us in this room. So we, we just spend a little bit of time with you in these next few moments of the mighty God that you are. And, Lord, may we be thankful for not only the good but even the hard. May we celebrate sometimes even the hard, Lord, of what you are trying and wanting to show us. Lord, if we're coming out of a season of hard, may we also look back to it to see perhaps what you were trying to show us, what you wanted us to learn from that so that we can prepare and ready our hearts for what is to come. And so, Lord, we just give these next few moments to you. We lay them before you. May we be real with you and where our hearts are. For, Lord, you know the truth and you know where we sit. And so we praise you and we thank you in your son's name. Amen.